July 2023, the Pacific Northwest will be transformed. transformed. Don't miss Cybefest Northwest. Featuring special guest Paul Eiding, the voice of Perceptor. Panels hosted by Mike Cyber Radio Podcast. Robotics. Contests and trivia. Local artists and dealers. Exciting raffle prizes. A Transformers experience by the fans for the fans. Get your own exclusive Generation Zero transforming action figure. This Cybertronian festival features the Bumblebee Camaro inspired by the films. July 8th at Kent Commons Community Center. Immerse yourself in Cybefest Northwest. More at CybefestNW.com. 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 <laughs> oh, these hot takes! Hot yeah, takes! Just hot takes. <laughs> does anybody have any cold takes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Soundwave is a great character, and I like him a lot. Ooh, Love icy it, cold, icy cold. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, you like Mister Freeze or Captain Cold with his cold gun here. Just yeah. like, which is yeah. also a great take. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this is a great take on the character. <laughs> Just cold gun, cold gun. It's too hot for me to be contrarian. Is that what? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it's perfect. Oh. It's gold. Turn out of ten. Autobots, transform and roll out. Welcome back to Two Mics, Two Furious Animated Transformers. We are the podcast that where when you listen, you are Mike. You are Mike. I am Mike. Uh, my name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers animated before, but joining me on this animated adventure is serial rewatcher Michael Andrews. Hello, hello. Yeah, I am also Mike. Uh, I am also here. <laughs> yes, you are Mike. How you doing, sir? You know what? I am doing very well. I mean, we we are knee deep in summer season. It's early July, and coming up this weekend, I'm going to be part of a Cybertronian festival here in the Seattle area, oh, Cybefest yeah. Northwest. Yeah, it's our 10th annual convention, and if you are listening to this, the the day that it drops, this uh, this Saturday, July 8th at the Kent Commons Community Center, uh, we're, we're having our 10th annual unofficial Transformers conventions by the fans for the fans. You've probably heard me talk about it on all of my other podcasts. Um, so I'm not going to dwell a lot here because we want to try to keep Two Mics, Two Furious as evergreen as possible because if somebody's coming back like two years from now saying like, what the hell is a Sidefest? Well, <laughs> go, go to SidefestNW.com. C-Y-B-F-E-S-T-N-W.com. Uh, does the internet still exist? <laughs> Well, um, g- given recent news with with the Twitters and whatever, I mean, maybe <laughs> not. 
maybe not. So this might make for an interesting time capsule. It's like, I'm sure like when the aliens discovered this last remaining podcast as the last vestiges of human civilization. First, they'll be like, what's a podcast? Uh, but then, but then it's going to be like, what was the internet? What, what's a side fest? What's a transformer? Right. I think about that all the time. And the idea of evergreen content, I'm just like, is anything we've talked about so far evergreen? Is any of it safe? I mean, who knows? (laughs) Right. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a really fun time. So I, I'm really excited to be a part of, of their organization team as the media coordinator person. I've been uh, doing a lot of interviews and coordinating a lot of interviews. So uh, check out my Mike Seibert radio podcast, uh, social medias and the Sidefest social medias for all the links to all the cool shows that we've been, uh, been a part of. It's a really fun time. And also going on, I, I had the opportunity to chat with Mr. Paul Eiding, the voice of Perceptor in G1 and Whoa. He is an absolute delight. He's a he he's a really sweet guy and he's going to be our featured guest at Sidefest here in Seattle and basically like you know I I keep throwing words around like convention and I know Michael Anders we've talked about TFCon um on this podcast before. Sidefest is not TFCon. It's a dealer toy show in a gym. Yeah. But but it's a there there's a huge Transformers fan community in the Pacific Northwest. We have folks coming in from all over, uh, folks coming over from Idaho and up from Portland and and uh, down south as well. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, let me talk about Paul Eiding for a quick sec because like he he's our featured guest. And where I was going with the TFCon relate is that we we've been to TFCons before and we see like the room full of voiceover guests. And it gets a little overwhelming and it kind of, you kind of lose focus on that connection with folks. Like, for example, I've met Paul Eiding before at a TFCon. I went to a TFCon, had him sign my Transformers the movie poster, talked to him for a couple minutes, was very delightful. Nothing bad to say about him. But the thing that I like about what we do with a smaller show is he's our only guest. So the focus is on him and... I got to chat with him for like a half hour. That's awesome. And, and, and it was terrific. So it's like, so it, it's very much a quality over quantity situation. Like, you know, you could go to a larger convention and get like a jam poster signed by a dozen different folks, or you can roll up and talk to one guy for as, as long as he'll have you. Yeah. I've been to, I was going to say, I've been to numerous conventions um, of all different kinds. And and still to me, the most memorable panel of all of them, of all the topics was with the guy that played Lord Zed. And it was just him. And he rapped at us for an hour about behind the scenes of Power Rangers. And I, I was in love and I can remember it very vividly, right? It didn't have that sort of, you know, looking around the room, who was asking this, who was asking what? It's just very, you know, it was just him getting up there and telling story after story and it's stuck in my brain more than any panel I've ever been to. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. It, isn't that amazing that that effect where 
you have that that intimate connection, which uh, again I think is far more important than a jam poster of autographs, which of which I have also. I mean, yeah. it's like I have. I've talked about my Transformers the movie poster that I take with me to different conventions, and and I like that. And I and I talk about you know I talked about meeting Peter Cullen and how that was so cool. But like the flip side of that story is the brevity of it. It's like. All I wanted to do was shake his hand and say, thank you. I got that. But on the other hand, that's all I got. So, you know, it's, you know what I mean? It it could be, it could be two different things at at the same time, but um, so, yeah. So I just, I just want to call emphasis to uh, uh, Paul Eiding coming up. Um, We also have the, the expanded dealer room. We're doing both sides of the gym, which is, which is a big deal. It's literally double the size. We're knocking the, knocking the doors out both uh, figuratively and literally it's the return of the children's play area. First time post COVID that we've got a kid's play area with a bunch of bots for kids to play with. A lot of our featured artists have donated line art for uh, the kiddos to color. Oh, cool. That's So that's going to be a lot of fun. Like Ashley Artley gave us a bunch of line art, including her art for our exclusive figure, Generation Zero Wheelless Jack, uh, which is basically oh, yeah. a take on on Cybertronian Wheeljack from, uh, from More Than Meets the Eye Part 1. So it's yeah. it, it's a fun figure, but her art is really cool because like it's got the the classic wheeljack pose. So it's very much the 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 silhouette, but he's in Cybertronium mode and looks like the toy, which looks like it does from the show. But um, that's so cool. We also have a couple robotics teams coming in, so we've got teams from local high schools that have robotics programs. So they're bringing in like you know kind of like. Not I, I I've been told it's not quite battle bots, but yeah, close. It's like so. But I think yeah, any they, bots they, can be battle bots if you try hard enough. That's <laughs> I love that, Michael Andrews. You will like this. Uh, my buddy Scotty is bringing his Bumblebee Camaro. Oh, cool! He's had this Camaro forever, and is he's done so much upgrading, customizing on it, like inside and out. It's like it's all black and yellow. It's all Autobot logos. He he's got the the biatch of uh, yeah. air freshener in there. Yes, and so yeah, it's it's very it's very Bumblebee. And does he have like, a disco ball? Because the light reflects off the disco ball, and <laughs> he surely does. He surely yes. does. Uh, but yeah, man, he th- this this rig is terrific like he he takes it to car shows all over the region like he's in like camaro clubs and like all kinds of like you know car shows and and things like that that's so cool we've we've got featured artists uh i mentioned ashley artley um apollo robo apollo will be there as well as a handful of other uh local cool folks we have the art contest we have a transforming contest where literally folks w- transform a uh, figure back and forth from alternate mode to robot mode as fast as I can. Oh, that's so cool. I would lose, but that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny to watch it, too. You bring up a really good point, uh, though, I was going to say, because you have so many people. I've, I've been watching a lot of America's Got Talent, and there's a lot of... Uh, people that do the Rubik's cube as fast as they can. And they've figured out like the formula to do it very fast. It's like, that's great. But you figured out a formula, give that person a transformer, get up there with a row oh of like five or six transformers and show me how fast you can. Now that's a Vegas show, Simon. Okay. That is a big one. That, that is, that is a talent for sure. I would love to see that. And, th- and that would be so cool too, because like, you know, let's workshop this. You, you could have like a couple different tables with like, 
different size classes of figures. So you could start with some core class figures and then you could do a deluxe, um, a Voyager, a leader yeah. leading up to leading up to a Titan. Yes. You know, it's oh, like, I love so, it. so like imagine trying to transform like, I don't know, like like the arc it on the quick like uh uh and and it's yeah. all it's all just those thick knobby ratchets like click clack 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 yeah well then i'm thinking of like the next evolution like how does someone take it to the next level for the next you know i'm still thinking america's got talent style and i think sure. the next evolution is blindfolded right and they go down the row and they have to identify uh what the li what line it is just by feel and touch like oh there's a ball joint here so this could either be beast wars or it could be car robots oh there's there's a fang here not a wheel so we're talking beast wars that mm -hmm, could be really fun mm -hmm. too that would be that would be really fun and you know it, for added extra complexity throw some third-party toys in there because that that oh, will oh. add that will add an element of danger you get like a like a like a fan's toy springer in there like that that sword will cut your finger it is <laughs> it is so sharp that you will actually cut yourself on it and some of the edges and corners because like these are adult collectible toys they're they're not meant for children consumption child consumption so right. they don't go through like all the safety test drop tests and yeah there's um I, i'm sure our buddy aaron could speak to this more than we could but like <laughs> those third party figures one are intricate and difficult and maddening at times but also kind of dangerous so yeah i think what being a former longtime fan of America's Got Talent, you also need a little bit of danger in there. You know, yes. you need like oh, the absolutely. danger acts in there as well. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, so like the, the stage lights go red and it's like, you know, oh man, he's, <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna transform this Springer. Is, is he gonna yeah. chop his fingers off? <laughs> yeah. And I can see, I can see like the audible gasp of, uh, you know, third-party toy collectors when the blindfolded person gets to like one of these $300 uh, yeah. really delicate. Oh man. Aaron Thweet would just pass out, pass out, drop over. Yes. <laughs> He's got the vapors. He's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All that and more, including uh, terrific raffles and a panel room hosted by me, uh, yours truly, uh, Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. That will be uh, that will all be happening on July eighth, uh, twenty twenty three. Uh, the website again is cybfestnw dot com. And if you're listening to this in the far flung future, go to the website anyway because we're probably still doing it. So evergreen so content cool. is evergreen. But sometimes, Michael Andrews, I I workshop stuff live on the air there there was a version of this where i almost reached out to you and said hey man how do you feel about seattle in july because like <laughs> in the far-flung future i would like to do something uh transformers animated adjacent as, as like a panel or something like you know oh, kind yeah. of kind of taking what our experiences have been so far, like me experiencing these episodes for the first time and you revisiting them for the umpteenth time, but with a different critical eye from a, from a different point of view. We have found so much in these episodes that, that there, there's really something there what, that wasn't there before. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's a lot of that. Like, um, you know, I mean, I would just like to, you know, maybe have a platform to spotlight some of the new characters that we've discovered, like 
uh, comrade kid and uh, or, or perhaps uh, incel optimus. Right. <laughs> just just to name a few. Uh, oh, I love that. Hashtag Prowl is a dick. You know, that kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of things. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be really cool, too, to do maybe even like a retrospecticus, if you will, of, uh, you know, young naive mike seibert going through and maybe playing some uh, choice clips of what you thought was happening but now you know it all that'd be really fun too i would love at certain uh mile marker signposts to go back and listen to some of those takes and and hear what holds up but more importantly what doesn't hold up because i think i've said some crazy stuff on <laughs> on this show so far so oh, that ratchet's an old grump i bet he's never gone through anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, and and case in point, the the entire uh, Prowl is a Dick narrative, and I haven't even gotten to the stuff where you know, as you told me at that time, I'm like, I, I just remember in my most exasperated voice, I was like, why is Prowl a Dick? And and you say very pointedly, you're like, so he cannot be a Dick later. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and you know, even in this run, we've I've seen him soften up, but. It's still there. It's just, um, it's just not as pronounced as as those uh, those first couple episodes. But yeah, right. I, I think I think doing some kind of respecticus would be a uh, would be uh, a tons of fun. Oh yeah. Well, it, I I hope you're writing this down, or like hopefully like the audience is writing this down uh, of things like oh man, remember to remind. We should almost start like a separate document of just like remind Mike of this. You yeah. Know, the the, re this the is, remind. This is our panel at Cybefest, right? <laughs> oh, that that's what that's what we do remind yeah. mike yeah. <laughs> remember all those things that we like do -lu -lu, do -lu -lu, yeah. do -lu -lu. <laughs> an audience can do it do you remember when in episode three you said that you were gonna get you said you were gonna get back to this topic and then you never did for two years <laughs> i can't wait yeah. i can't wait that's gonna be a lot of fun because this is the podcaster plight, right? Uh, oh, we're going to talk about this later in the show. Never get back to it. You just never. You just no. <laughs> just just don't. We just we make don't. a whole show of just coming back to those threads. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so that being said, any other particular preamble or other uh, pre-show grab ass we want to engage in before we kind of get into today's episode no i don't think so i'm really excited for you i've been you know since we've started this project i've been excited for you to see this episode of transformers animated so uh yeah this has been torture let's get into it <laughs> i i've heard the same thing uh several folks have tweeted me it's like oh man this one and in fact i i realized when i was watching it that like I think when we had Alpha Magnus on, he made some kind of reference to it that I didn't understand. Like, like occasionally folks will make these references that just go over my head. But like when I come back to it in context, because he said something about like like a birthday party, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Because oh, yeah. like I thought at the time he was conflating the sleepover from Home is Where the Spark is and what i know now is the birthday party in sound and fury but that's uh that's, yeah. that's neither here nor there <laughs> um so today we are talking about finally transformers animated season one episode 10 sound and fury or sound and fury it's uh when i <laughs> when i watched it it had an ampersand so i'm just going to call it sound and fury to sound to fury 
uh, I think is what we have to call it. <laughs> Delightful. Uh, airing on February 23rd, 2008, written by Henry Gilroy. And this is the Soundwave episode. And, you know, I, I don't I don't want to give away everything and just make everybody just tune out now. But I like this version of Soundwave <laughs> quite a lot. I awesome. really like the take. And it's very it's very creative. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that and we can get into it as the characters introduced, but I just I think this is such an interesting take on Soundwave and I was like, you know, chewing on my nails a little bit of like this could be a love it or hate it for Mike Seibert because this is a yeah. this is a character you've, you know, this is your character, right? This is yeah. someone you've loved and this is probably the biggest chunk of your collection other than the Lambros of, you know, Soundwaves <laughs> out there. So, yeah, yeah, I think this is really cool. This is this is going to be neat to see your take on it. Absolutely. So we start, I, I love that we're just in TFA territory because we we start with Bulkhead and Sari. They're rolling up to a toy shop with a retroactively poignant name. Like, you know, you see Wyatt Toys on there and I couldn't help but smile. And I don't, I don't know if I would have had the same smile in 2008 because it's just like, oh, the dude's naming it after himself. But now that uh, Derek J. Wyatt has has unfortunately passed away, it's it it adds a bittersweetness to it. Yeah, um, the, the, this toy shop being called Wyatt Toys. Yeah, love love that it got in there. I love that that's kind of been sort of immortalized in this series now. So mm -hmm. beautiful. So Bulkhead and Sari are shopping for her birthday. Um, her uh, her birthday gift, or as uh, as Bulkhead calls it. So what do you want for your construction date celebration? Which yeah. I, I, I thought was pretty funny. As if we all have a stamp like when milk expires on us, right? Like, what's your construction date? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so basically, they're 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 there shopping for toys and knickknacks. An idea, or at least for Sari's birthday, you know, that kind of when it's your birthday week or your birthday month, you kind of get you got to go get, you know, the feel for what you want. I just don't entirely understand the the mechanics of what this store is. So is it is it a <laughs> is it a toy store? Is it a audio video electronic store? Uh, because they they're they're shown to have a fair amount of audio equipment. So I, I, I wonder if this is just target um, or, <laughs> or maybe uh, actually probably Best Buy is probably closer. Maybe like a Fry's electronics RIP, you know, one right. of those kinds of things like, cause there there's, there's a fair amount of uh, stereo equipment that, that we're going to encounter um, very shortly, but or is this just the world of New Detroit, where uh, because robots and inventions are so commonplace, this is what people are obsessed with, even at toy stores. They just want parts to build their own right. things. Yeah, and in, in the far flung future of twenty one fifty seven, all toy stores have ginormous uh, amplifiers and speaker setups. But alas, our shoppers are interrupted by another human supervillain. This yeah. time, it is. It is Professor Princess. Professor Princess. And and looking in the AllSpark Almanac, her full title is Professor Penny Princess, PhD. So Princess is actually her last name, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously a doctor. Yes. And a doctor, of course, which leads to a whole new level. Like this is like one of those 
adults that look like kids? Is that maybe what we're supposed to believe? Or is she an advanced youth or is she like a 50 year old, 60 year old, 70 year old woman in there? Well, maybe she took some of that Prometheus Black uh, aging treatment or something like that. Oh, and it's yeah. gone too far the other direction. Right, right. The the biochemical makeover went a little too, a little too abroad, huh? Uh, because this uh, this character kind of upsetting. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> it's and and it's interesting. I don't know what the state of Hasbro was in two thousand eight. Obviously, My Little Pony is a longtime Hasbro IP, much like Transformers and G.I. Joe. I'm really kind of surprised that Hasbro bought off on kind of this presentation because basically it's kind of, um, you know, uh, what's... What's the uh, uh what's the unicorn's name? Uh, a powdered sugar. Powdered sugar. Uh, yeah. Powdered sugar. <laughs> I mean, th- this is basically a a shattered glass My Little Pony character. It's like an oh, evil totally. pony, like a Powerpuff Girl and My Little Pony crossover as a villain. I I was getting a lot of Rainbow Bright vibes as well. Oh so yeah. It- or, or even more accurately, Rainbow Bright from Robot Chicken, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, this uh, th- this this character's very odd in that, like, she shows up and and is on the attack, and I don't I don't entirely understand what the motivation for this this attack is. As uh, as it says in the in the TF wiki, it's like you know, uh, Professor Princess who is on an on an ironically violent crusade to destroy violent toys, which which I thought was oh, interesting, which I, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now, but I I did like this line she gives uh towards uh, uh towards the duo. You know, she says. Uh, Oh, that's funny. I just like the phrasing, you know, discontinue and yeah. you get some army man dolls who could be GI Joes from a, from a certain perspective. It's oh, a, yeah. it's, it's some, it's some weird commingled Hasbro IP here, but that line is winking at guys like us for sure. I can tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. There, there, there's like so much um, reference stacking in there. <laughs> right. And it's weird, though, because I don't think that Professor Princess even has as much screen time as the Angry Archer does, because like the Angry Archer gets like a whole chase sequence, like Optimus Prime goes after him and, you know, forsooth and and all that stuff. This is over pretty quick. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's almost. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need it. I mean, you could have just had Bulkhead and. And sorry, at the toy store, uh, I don't know that you needed an attack to happen, but then you just throw in this weird villain. And what I think is even stranger is that even though it's like a tiny part, they got a really big voice name behind it. They got Kath Susie, who's done tons of vocal work for a number of years. She was in Captain Planet. She was Lola Bunny in Looney Tunes, which everyone had a crush on. Sure. Let's not let's not sugarcoat. Let's not powdered sugarcoat that. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but I want to talk about one of her roles, which is B in Mighty Max. Uh, the Mighty Max cartoon. I don't know if that's big. If people have seen it, if people haven't seen it, but that I think is one of the all-time most well-written uh, cartoons of all time. It's just really like tightly knit episodes that it it matters that you see them in order that and everything uh-huh. and has a huge like twist ending. 
I think that's really cool. And, and B was um, Max's best friend in that show, which is kind of cool that he had a girl best friend because usually, you know, guy character always has to have a guy best friend back in those 90 cartoons. Right, so right. So she, she brought a lot of character to the character of B. Nice. And and remind me, because I like I we we occasionally run into some generational drift, but um but Mighty Max is basically like Polly Pocket for boys, right? Yeah. That it's yeah. it's okay, so it's like, you know, small play sets, tiny figures, yeah. That 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 kind of stuff. Okay, cool. And That's it really attracted to me because I love little play sets. I love when they mm-hmm. do like even in Transformers, right? When they do like little mini play sets of stuff or in Power Rangers, they have like the belt buckle that opens up and there's a little play set inside. I just yeah. love stuff like that. So even Polly Pocket, I was kind of into just cause, like I'd see one of the cops and I'd be like, Ooh, a little house inside of a thing. <laughs> uh, I did sort of gravitate towards that. So yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. And then it just, it was a bonus that it was a really good cartoon to go along with it. So, um, uh, professor princess is dispatched when Get your beverage ready. Um, Matt, you know what? First of all, make sure that like when you watch this episode that you have a full tanker full of your chosen beverage because in the two mics, two furious transformers animated uh, uh, drinking game, anytime sorry, Sumdak uses her key improperly or incorrectly or for less than noble intentions for her own selfish gains you gotta drink and so and this episode's the night ender uh this one yeah take your breath away it's all key all the time (laughs) all key all the time um so basically what what sari does is she uses her key on this stereo system in the toy store and one of the 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 notes that I wrote in all caps, I wrote "death metal." <laughs> um, that um, I, I and and it comes back around uh, later on as well. But canonically, sorry, Sumdeck likes heavy music, and yeah. I I have a lot of friends in the Transformers fandom who are. Uh, fans of heavy music and identify as metalheads. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I, I, got, I got a buddy Jimmers who's who's in an industrial band, you know, and has an entire industrial music label, and uh, and produced one of the heaviest uh, renditions of the Transformers the movie soundtrack I've ever ever heard. So go to Distortion Productions and and uh, and check that out. Uh, the Respect the Prime album. Anyway, it's it's Sweet. it's an industrial music cover of the '86 movie soundtrack. It, it, it's terrific. Oh, cool. A little heavy for my taste, but like I I still like it for uh for what it is. But anyway, like I I just like that this this heavy music. That uh, that that's basically used to defeat uh, Professor Princess by sorry using her Allspark key on it. Yeah, that was a very sorry move. She, I maybe she didn't even know that the key was going to do that, but she was psyched when it did. That was like her signature move right there. I like that this uh, this line that she drops here too. She's like, Ugh, "This girl needs to cut down on sweets." <laughs> She's getting it on the one-liners, right? Like she wants some of that, uh, you know, delivering the justice with a quip that the Autobots Exactly. Get. Though 
I don't know, man. There, there is a lot of calling kettle black there too. It's like, sorry, Sumdak, one of the <laughs> most hardwired, obnoxious Seriously. characters, and and you know, I and I don't want to get too far ahead too because like this, the episode kind of kind of has dips and valleys for me too. But this is, I I've been I've been very pro sorry for a while. You know, kind of picking up on what the character is putting down and appreciating the arc that it's been on. And I really liked the note that things were left on in the previous episode along came a spider where she and Optimus kind of have this understanding about, you know, I I'm going to give you this key back. And she's like, yeah, man, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should cool it a bit. And I, I will confess that I'm a little disappointed that the character takes one giant leap backwards here. Right. Um, this right. this feels very retrograde. Sorry for me, which I I found a little annoying. She's not great in this episode. Sure, I will say this though. Talking from experience, when it's your birthday, sometimes you cut loose on your old habits. Like many times of the year, I can say, you know what, I'm gonna lay off the snacks and the pizza a little bit. Uh, but I'm, when it's birthday week. It's pizza every night. It's a party. So maybe she's just doing what she loves, right? Maybe, maybe, or maybe even Optimus was like, all right, it's your birthday week. Why don't you, yeah. you know, you can use the key a little bit if you want. That's a great take. I, I appreciate that insight because That's my like, for it at least. yeah, well, I mean like, so I'm an only child and I will be 45 years old in September, but I would be lying if like in the days leading up to yeah, a little bit of that birthday diva comes out and oh, like yeah. and and for me it manifests in like purchases. I'm like, you know what? God damn it, I'm just going to buy it. Why? Because I want it. Hell you know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like I I make some, you know, impulsive buys or impulsive choices. There there is a certain amount of sugar-coated diva mania that 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 goes with uh with with birthday festivities you're not wrong i i yes. think that's a really great I, take and, and i am the ultimate birthday diva and i think it's really and i just realized this that if we're kind of going off the time frame here sorry and i probably have a very similar birthday because my birthday it's about a week after halloween and i guess if we're talking you know coming off the halloween episode oh right? yeah we have the same same birth that's what i'm gonna say yeah i i i, I like that head canon as well so I can just relate to her, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I, this didn't surprise <laughs> me that she was going a little off the rails and chugging pixie sticks and we're going, yes. going full sorry this one. I love it. Cocaine sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry, but... fresh out. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That That's really good. Um, so this exchange is witnessed by Megatron who is still in Isaac Sumdak's lab. And I, I wrote in my note, Megatron calls it where basically like he's watching this whole thing unfold and he's like, Hmm, the key. 
Yes. Yes. And this has been building for a long time, right? He's been, he's, you know, Megatron sees all and he's been watching Sari using this key. So I feel like this episode and the scheme in this episode has been, you know, they've been leading up to this this whole time. And that's another thing I really love about Transformers Animated that I've said before. There, mm-hmm. There is sort of an impact of the previous episodes. And even when it's some little tiny tidbit, you think it's just a funny gag or a throwaway. No, it's all building to this moment where it's like, Megatron's like, I got it. I know exactly what to do. She's gone too far with this key and I, and I better take advantage of it. Exactly. And so from there, he starts thinking about, oh man, here's another chance to make a new robot body. And I, I love this interaction he has with Isaac Sumdak where he comes in, he's like, oh, hey, uh, what you working on, Megatron? And it's like, oh, nothing, just a just a fun music toy for uh, for yeah. Sari's birthday. And he's like, oh, hey, that's that's pretty cool. You you keep doing you, Megatron. This is this is great stuff. I'm going to go back to building war machines for the police department. You keep working on a gift for my daughter. Yes. Well, and and obviously, as we will see the I, I don't know. It's like the more we see of it, one, this is definitely the Robocop future. But then also um, Isaac Sumdak is definitely the Tony Stark of this situation. And basically he's he's kind of a war profiteer in a lot of ways because oh, yeah. we we see these machines everywhere and. I think this is one of the episodes that we'd been talking about for a while now where we're really going to see consequences of that hubris of one, Isaac Sumdak's uh, reliance on machines, but also the population's reliance on machines as well. And I think this is one of the first times we've come back to that theme since the early episodes with it's like, oh, and I, I can't. I still can't shake the deliberate visual of a of the servant robots. You know, they're they're shown taking out trash and things like that. But the one visual that's always stuck with me is the robot scrubbing toilets. You know, that 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 just because that that's like, you know, deliberately presented as like the lowest of the lowest thing. Right. Um, And and I think that that really comes into play in this um in this particular episode and looking at the, so this is episode 10 and there's what 16 episodes in season one, I think. Yeah. Something like that. This feels to me that it's the beginning of the tipping point. Like we're kind of like just about to get over the crest of the roller coaster and really start like all of this stuff that's been building up for all of these last few episodes is really going to start paying off. There was a part of me that was like, all right, it's it's another one-off character episode. Let's let's get to the overall story. I mean, that's the one thing about having like an overarching thing, but then also kind of self-contained character episodes. There at once I am delighted by the slow burn and the world building, but there's also a part of me that just wants to get there too. It's like, I I'm, I'm getting excited for however this stuff starts to pay off. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah. And even, even with uh, just talking about this episode in particular, um, you must be, if you, if you didn't have a clue from the title of this episode, uh, you gotta be like, let's get to, let's get to sound wave here. Right. Cause now we're talking about Megatron designing a musical robot. It's like, it's sound wave for the love of God. Just say it. It's <laughs> yeah. sound wave. 
Yes. So yeah, yes. this is a double whammy for you. I can understand that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I um I, I like that we touch back on uh Sari's robot dog spark plug. And yeah. I I don't remember if it's here or if it's later, but Isaac Sumdak is lamenting that that Sari's already bored with it and says something like, oh, you know, just one year and already bored with it. That that kind of thing. Yeah. And but. Oh, that does pay off here for sure. Uh huh. Uh huh. We get a, another reprise, um, or maybe this is later. I, I wrote down in my notes, poor spark plug exclamation point, and then another arrow that says, sorry, loves metal. So I think that, <laughs> I think, I think that's. I think this was it, you dozing off to the episode. If I, <laughs> was this late at night or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, loves metal. What the? F- <laughs> yeah. Well, because there, there's this, um, there's this scene in, in her room where she's like futzing around with um uh with spark plug and then like did I make this up like she's listening oh. to to heavy rock right oh yeah i'm sure yeah absolutely that sounds right got it so what what i don't know is if that if that is uh before or after the uh the disastrous birthday party and so right. Which, so the birthday Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite scenes in in all of this show. I mean, if we're not talking about just like cool fight scenes or something like that, this scene is so funny and <laughs> so clever. I really like I really like it actually. Tell me more. Well, you get the day of the party that you have you have all the kids show up begrudgingly uh to the party and right off the bat they're like, "Do you think she's gotten any better over time?" kind of a thing. And she just instantly like spits in the punch bowl. <laughs> like if I was trying to write an embarrassing thing for someone to do at their birthday to like turn off other kids. It would not have been that. I didn't even see that coming. I just like, I spit out my drink when she's yeah. the punch bowl. I did, I, like, I did too. I had, I had a little bit bad. of a spit take. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's just nasty. That's just hard. nasty. <laughs> I would have gone home for sure. I would not have stayed at that party. I commend yeah. those kids for sticking around, but I would have been out that no friendship survives that. Well, and, and basically you learn that they're, more or less forced to to be there because like yeah. they're they're shown to be i guess children of employees yeah. i guess because isaac sumdak says something about like you know having having his thumb uh, you you could feel his thumb being pressed on the scales here and that Absolutely. these kids would not be there otherwise well and that's another hint at kind of sorry's tragic the tragedy of sorry, right, is like she just doesn't have friends of her own. She just can't seem to lock them down. I'm glad they brought that back. I'm glad it wasn't just a missed beat of like, okay, now there are kids at the party. They brought back the fact that like she's just misunderstood and you know doesn't really have friends of her own. You got to bribe people to come to her birthday party. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, because we we haven't been back to that in like a half dozen episodes because from that point after we see her in in Sumdeck Industries she's she's just hanging out with the Autobots and Tutorbot yeah. yeah and i i have i'm going to get to it a little bit later with a couple scenes but but yeah this is a great time to mention i think this is this episode in particular is a great sequel to home is where the spark is for a number of ways um but yeah we're we're seeing it paying off here she had to have a slumber party with you know robots because she didn't have any friends and now her birthday is you know basically her dad paying her you know, parents that work for him to go to this party. Also, it, it it's worth noting that one of the attendees is very familiar uh, to the point where he's even got the jacket. Ladies and gentlemen, the D is for danger. Daniel Witwicky yes. shows up at that party. So, so 
I, given what we just said a moment ago, that these are the children of Sumdac Industries employees, mm. does that stand to reason that Spike and Carly work for Isaac Sumdac then? Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, maybe it wasn't just like a cute little Easter egg. Maybe there is some like, hey, you know, we want we want to make sure you know that these legacy characters work for Isaac Sumdac. That's really interesting. Because we saw them as a family back in what, episode one, maybe two? Right. Very, very early on. Um, and at a point where it's just kind of like a throwaway visual gag for, for the boomers in the audience. Like, see, Hey, and, and they, they even got their, their 2005 futuristic space outfits on as well, because you know, the, the fashion sense of the far flung future of 2157 in new Detroit is, uh, is retro weird. So yeah. it's like, they, they look like they belong with uh with with uh comrade kid and and yeah. everyone else in their weird outfits here in uh in uh in detroit there yeah i was gonna add notably absent from the party is comrade kid uh that's that's too, he must have had uh orders from the center <laughs> that conflicted with uh party, the party that day it's off on a mission <laughs> yeah, say one word and he kills yeah <laughs> jeez but before we get over this party thing too, another scene that I thought was really funny was the pinata scene. Uh, oh my it gosh! Just cuts yeah. to Ratchet going smack it, smack it. <laughs> too much. In, in in my wrote in my notes, I wrote smack it, smack it, smack it already! Exclamation point! Ratchet <laughs> loves violence. Yeah. <laughs> what a sick freak, uh, Ratchet. Is in this <laughs> well, you know he he's suffered the deep hurting and deep seated yeah. trauma, so he's uh, you know he he's 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 still working through some stuff. You know, even though he's he's talked to Optimus and kind of opened up a little bit, he's still um very much curmudgeonly Ratchet. And yeah. and incidentally, not not to go on too much of a tangent, as the episode progresses, you get you get. You get some pretty good ratchet uh, later on as well. It's oh, uh, yeah. it, it's it, it's good stuff. I love um, the idea that he he doesn't even know there's candy inside the pinata. This is just an act of destruction for him that he thinks is fun. Smack it, smack it already! Right? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it. the Tommy Lee Jones and Men in Black too. When they're like, "How'd you know his head was gonna grow back?" and he goes, "It grows back." uh but yeah so so you know to underscore like you know the the kids were gonna leave but then uh uh-oh here come the autobots and i i love that the autobots are celebrities you know we've said before that they're celebrity superheroes and i think one of the kids even has like a t-shirt with what looks to be like either an Autobot face or an Optimus Prime face on it. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. They're, so they're big fans of that. Uh, so maybe they didn't have to bribe these kids too hard to come to this party. There's a chance that they could see the Autobots. So, so, and it's also good to know, it's good to check in on like PR for the Autobots. Does the city like them? Does the city approve? We're kind of seeing that, uh, you know, they are they are kind of welcome in the city. They're not they're mm-hmm. not so much of a menace or a scare at this moment. Uh, I think that's nice to show. And who wants to go for an Autobot ride? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This entire <laughs> sequence. I um, I, I I'm, I'm going to put up my notes again and we'll see if we can uh, uh, 
all caps. He said the thing with two exclamation points. <laughs> and that is, I mean, if that isn't a window into Peter Cullen's existence, I don't know what is, but right. for, for me, I well documented, I love a good transform and rollout. And, and I love absolutely love this entire thing where it's like, come on, Optimus, say the thing. Yeah. And he's like, sigh. Okay. Um, transform and roll out. And, and I cackled. I, I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's such a good twist. And I wrote down the kids are Mike Seibert here. Like they want to yes. hear his line. Like give, give daddy what Say the line, Bart. I mean, exactly. Well, and, 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 you know, but if, if Mike Seibert was at that party, I would roll up. I'd be like, call the ax, <laughs> call the ax. <laughs> Get a pinata that looks like a spider trying to coax him into smashing it to pieces. Oh, see, you would think that Optimus would already have those skill sets in there. So, like, you know, they're all kind of confused about the pinata thing. And he's like, I got this. I know Snick. what to do here. <laughs> it's like, Optimus, no. You have to shred it until there's nothing left. I know exactly what to do here. Oh, but then, then we get, like, you know, a uh, post-Autobot ride. We get... Oh my God, poor Bulkhead. I feel so bad oh, for him in this so, entire this episode. This is so sad because like he, uh, he has like, now am I, so the Autobot ride, basically like everybody jumps in like different vehicles, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, you know, Bumblebee gets some kids and, and nobody wants to ride in poor Bulkhead, right? Right, right. Cause he, he came in and ended up smashing the pinata. So I think they're a little bit oh, scared right. of Bulkhead. That's right. That's right. Leaves all the, all that wreckage behind. And yeah. he, he says something to the effect of like, oh, I guess I'm just by myself again or yeah. something like that. But then but then it gets to be presence time. And we're just we're just doubling down on on the misery oh. porn here. This this is heart wrenching where yeah. it's like, you know, because like you you could do these kind of visual gags in animation specifically here in transformers animated with bulkhead size he's so massive so when he goes to present this this teeny tiny sorry some deck sized xylophone you know your heart already kind of kind of aches for uh for this moment but then man suddenly boom uh this uh masterpiece sound wave is here in the in the thing and i uh, i wrote down in my notes i was like tape deck mode exclamation point <laughs> wait no no and so it's like so it's basically it's uh very unambiguously classic sound wave tape deck mode and it's in you know teal and gold instead of the more familiar uh, uh blue and silver or whatever but but it's still it's very clear what it is but yeah. i like it's got this this reader board on it's like happy birthday sorry you know it's just like yeah. flashing and I, I i i don't know what i was expecting i, I what was i thinking that this tape deck mode was going to like that like that's what the sound wave was and was going to transform so it's like when they pull it away and it's just a box i mean again i wrote it in my notes i was like i was like no exclamation point it kind of it kind of threw me off a little bit and then you see this this somewhat sound wave looking robot but then like you know it kind of it kind of sparks to life and 
you know, th- this episode can just be called, you know, he said the thing, colon, the episode. And and he speaks and he says, I am Soundwave. And my heart just swelled because like, <laughs> even even though it's not Frank Welker, I, I do like this performance from uh, from Jeff Glenn Bennett, which we'll uh, we'll probably talk about as we go. But yeah. um, it's got the vocoder effect. And so even though it's not Frank Welker, because of that specific audio effect, it has the up down sing songy type delivery that that's that's a sound wave voice and i i was delighted to see that they got that detail quote unquote right whereas there there have been several other iterations of sound wave and a bunch of different versions on the voice including in the live action movies where they brought in frank welker to do the dr claw voice but they didn't put the the effect on it yes i'm still mad about that fight me but um i'll never not be mad about that because it's just like it anyway um understandable understandable but, but whereas like in say like the the most recent netflix show it's they they just put like more vocal distortion on it so it doesn't have the vocoder effect it's it's the it's the it's not just the uh static distortion and kind of a more stoic uh read it it you need the up down also you need the modulation the modulation comes from the vocoder effect right and you know and it's it, it's kind of hard to explain but it's like when you hear it you know it so, like, for me as a super fan, I know when it's missing, but conversely, I know when it's spot on. And it's like when when he presents himself and says, I am Soundwave and I'm like, Chewie, we're home. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it 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 awesome. it got me right off the bat. And then he starts dancing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I love the the up down as his torso just spins around yeah. while he, while his head and legs are fixed. <laughs> I I. <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's good good humor in this one too, and good uh-huh. visual gags as well as you know writing gags. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So I want to take you back, like like rewind in your mind a little bit, time travel a little bit to the <laughs> Mike Seibert that was first watching this for the first time, and maybe you kind of knew a little bit about Soundwave and and what he was like in this show. But did, was there a moment where you're like, like this is the final design of Soundwave, and this is what we're getting. Was there a moment of like, oh no, or was it like, oh cool, I can live with this Soundwave? You know, I I think it was a little bit of both because it's like through my cult- cultural osmosis and my Transformers animated absorption through osmosis, I I know what his alt mode is, you know, and oh, and okay. I know and I know that, and it doesn't happen in this episode, but I know he gets tapes. You know, it's like, you know, we right. even talked, we even talked about the Ratbat Kitar and all that. So I know that, that Soundwave returns and that he returns with friends. So answering a question you didn't ask instead of the one that you did ask, I, I was kind of surprised to not see tapes um, or any kind of representation of his, of his minion characters. It's like, oh, this is, this is a, a totally different take. So with Soundwave, I was uh, kind of disappointed that he didn't have minions. I did know that his alternate mode is a truck. So what I what I didn't know is how he gets there. So I don't think there was a part of me that thought that this music player 
was his final form, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I guess I didn't think about it too much. I just kind of let it happen as, uh, as it was happening. I was too busy being distracted by the lights and the dancing and stuff. And I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, um, uh, very entertaining. Yes. Lights and sirens score very high for this episode. <laughs> very high, very high. So I, I guess to answer it that way, I didn't really give it much thought because actually, I don't know, Megatron says something about like, oh, th- this could be a the beginnings of a new robot body or something like that. So it's like I, oh, I had sure. a few I had a few different things going on uh with me, but I I didn't think that this was gonna be his his final form, for lack of a better word. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, also, I, I want to talk about Soundwave's uh, signature song for a second because it comes back and it's important throughout the episode. Um, but this little, like, three-note, like, beat that it has that, that's mm-hmm. always present. This is awesome! Best present ever! Um, I swear... You're gonna have to look this up, but I swear there's this song called Coffee by Sylvan Esso, and I swear it's that it's the sound uh soundwave song, but like hmm. in a real song. Uh maybe we can isolate that or something, but I think I think it's spot on that. You'll have to have a listen. Two. It's a dance we know the moves. The bow, the dip, the woo. Yeah, 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 and I'll uh, I'll I'll drop that audio in there. But yeah, so Sorry is completely enamored with this Soundwave toy, and Bulkhead is yesterday's news, and it, it's kind of funny because like you know we we were talking about the song, and I wrote down in my notes, discount Mario is discount, <laughs> and yeah. because so like for me. It, it felt as kind of like an off-brand version of the Mario theme. Oh, okay, sure, I can see that. It's it's not it's not quite there, but like that that's kind of how it tickled my ear. So I think I think we'll put up all of the different things that we're talking all about the here. That we and, think and, it sounds like fair enough. It, yeah, it, exactly. And let uh let let the audience decide. So we fade from the party, and and this is a really cool uh, dissolve effect too, where basically like Soundwave is shown to be swinging his arms and dancing and stuff, and then we fade away. The party is over, and we fade to Sorry's bedroom, and Soundwave's just still doing the same (laughs) thing (laughs) and and she much like with the dog spark plug she's now bored with Soundwave in his current form yes this is true for like real kids when you get them presents and it's definitely built into sorry that she gets bored of this stuff quick from the very moment we meet her uh so yeah she's she's bored of Soundwave. everyone saw that coming right absolutely and what happens when sorry gets bored she uses the key she does the thing 
I, uh, I, I wrote in my notes in all caps, Oh, come on exclamation point <laughs> because she, she chooses the key immediately. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe press some buttons, see if he has other songs, you know, maybe he right. has, I mean, I mean, it's 2157 in, in new Detroit for goodness sakes. Surely he can play more than one song. Yeah, this or gotta maybe be like a live ha- radio setting, or maybe it's a Bluetooth situation. Just try to do something <laughs> else with it. Oh my gosh. Try transforming yes. it for God's sakes. It's a transform. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry discovers true crime podcasts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Sorry discovers late night talk radio, including like paranormal discussions and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Just just tunes into like inappropriate things that she's yeah. like not her age group. Yeah. She gets like super into Art Bell and it's like, <laughs> oh hey, let's learn about these UFOs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my god. But, but yeah, using I, the key, yeah, using the key is exactly what what good old Machiavelliatron uh was planning on the whole time. You know, and at first, you know, going into this episode, I was like, it's so smart. It's so smart that Megatron latched onto this thing about sorry and and uses her like her key overusing to his advantage. But at the same time, it's pretty obvious that she does it. So I don't even know if it's that good of a scheme. I think anyone could. I almost think uh, Megatron could have like called sorry into his office and been like, uh, I'm going to need you to use that key. And she'd be like. Done and done. I was going to do that anyway. That's just Tuesday for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so, but instead he goes through this long, long thing to, to get her to use it. But it works. Yeah. She does it. it. It totally works. And so Soundwave begins to evolve. He, he gets bigger. He's got like these these uh, um, shoulder speakers. Yeah. The, and the lights. schematics. I love schematics. You know me and schematics. Oh, man. Th- this is... This episode is rotten with schematics porn. Yeah. Um, Cause like you get to see a lot and like all of the, the different evolutions of Soundwave. And yeah. it's some really cool stuff. And I think that's where Megatron in his uh, hideout is just like, yes, yes, <laughs> show me them schematics. It's, it's doing the thing. Right. And, and it, and it's kind of interesting how Megatron can change tactics and is, is he's, he's got a, he's got a good tactical mind for adaptability because like, you know, it was established earlier that he needs Destronium to make a Cybertronian body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's what he needed, uh, uh, your boy, Nino Sexton nanosec for, yeah. um, that, that didn't work so well. So, I would imagine he's thinking now it's like, well, wait a sec. How about instead of building a new body whole cloth, why don't we just Pokemon this thing up and just evolve it up to a suitable body, which, which is pretty smart. And again, taking advantage of what sorry was already going to do. Right. And, and he knows something that the audience has only kind of been ruminating on now, which is that key is, has a mind of its own. It's doing its own thing and its own, its own cause. And so, so it is smart in the fact that he needs to, he needs to sort of give the key a cause that it'll go along with because there, you know, there's a chance that he might not be the thing that the key wants to repair. So he maybe needs this intermediary plan to to build his new body. So in that case, it is a very good scheme. Yeah, for sure. Um, is it here that we see that 
Bulkhead is getting increasingly suspicious of Soundwave and where we're seeing more of that rift between Sari and Bulkhead? Uh, not exactly. So so next up, we see that Sari, you know, it's weird because I don't think it's actually only been like a couple hours after the party because Bulkhead appears at the window and says, hey, what's up? I haven't seen you for a few days kind of a thing and smacks the key out of Soundwave. So, yeah, that's a little aggressive. So probably he has been, you know, he has had his suspicions. But at this point, there's no good reason, right? Like he just Correct. he just hates this toy. Um, He's just jealous. Yeah. yeah, because his gift didn't go well. Oh, and I wanted to go back to that two for one second because I Please. thought I think it's so sweet that how gently he holds that little xylophone when bulkhead's just so destructive of a person like he pretty much can't help smashing anything so the fact that he's still got this little uh xylophone he's being so careful with it like we we see how careful he's being because we know what he's capable of i think that's just beautiful does he actually give her the xylophone i don't Uh, think he does i think he keeps it yeah no he hasn't given it to her at this point no he's too embarrassed to give it to her at her birthday and he's just Mm -hmm. coveted it away somewhere and and it's kind of during this, I think, where Megatron kind of sees what's going on and sees the the rift and says, um, It appears that if I want a new body, I must separate the child from her dim-witted but powerful friend. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, yeah, he's pissed, right? Because Sari's about to go into super upgrade mode. She's just reached peak boredom. And here he busts in yeah. and, and she agrees to go with a, for an Autobot ride with him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is like, damn it, it was about to work. He's literally like watching his plan almost come to fruition. And then and then Bulkhead, hey, you want to do something else? <laughs> oh, and this is this is where we get the gag with the the glowing red eyes. Where it's like that, like Bulkhead like slinks down with sorry. He's like, "Hey, did that thing just nah?" Whoop, his head yeah. goes back up, and the eyes go back to yellow. Which, for being a Soundwave fan, I really like that touch because arguments that we get into is what color are Soundwave's eyes supposed to be? The toy is yellow. The cartoon is red. Yeah. So in this, you get both with that for sure. See, and and I'll allow it. I'll allow it because I, I I feel like they're the, like, you know, it's it's like, what can we do to try to make all of the fans happy? Oh, here's here's what we do. We his eyes start off yellow and then they turn red. It's like, cut print done. Right. You know. And I also think it's appeasing uh, some SpongeBob fans because him pe- popping back up in that window, I yes. think, is a very SpongeBobby kind of Patrick uh, thing. So yep. that's probably playing for lice for a lot of people. Later that night, Soundwave actually comes alive and it is reaching for Sari in the night. And it's, you know, it's almost like a horror movie, this scene. It's very dark and it's very scary. And and she's reaching for him. And then, and then Sari wakes up and upgrades him again. I guess that's his punishment. The first thing you do if you're suspicious that your toy is coming alive in the night, uh, you upgrade him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spooky. This is uh, in my notes. I put Rise of the Machines. So yeah, basically yeah. this we get this kind of in, in the horror movie fashion, uh, you know, all these toys coming to life and, and the robots in her room coming to life and uh, moving them around. And it's scary to us, but I think it's yeah. kind of cool for sorry. Like she's into it. And I also really like that they're evolving. I don't know if you noticed this, but they're evolving Soundwave song. 
like now it's a little spookier uh when he's doing this stuff but it's still got that little backbeat but it's sort of like you know um in in age of ultron when they slowed down that pinocchio song right it reminded yeah, me of that like yeah. now you're making it spooky or mm-hmm. you know that's kind of been a trend lately in hollywood to take those fun songs and make them scary make them spooky and slow yeah um and it's uh i i, I also wrote down it's a it's a little ace ventura come to me my jungle friends yeah. <laughs> oh i love it i love that reference beautiful <laughs> Yeah, Sari's into it, right? And she's actually so excited. She calls Bulkhead and is like, you're not going to believe this. It's doing the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. And then it it gets gets bad because then this is where we find out that they're using uh, Bulkhead's voice against him. So, and this is where you see too that Bulkhead's playing on the xylophone. He's sort of dinking out uh, little tunes on there. And actually that works pretty good because the the tune he's playing on the xylophone is almost spooky, right? So you cut from uh-huh. this big smelling scary scene to like like that little quiet piano key they like to put into horror movies so much. I thought mm-hmm. that was I was like, is this is this like a Sam Raimi scene? Like I feel like this is it is, it is it very Raimi esque, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. very much is. Which again, and- I think the last time we talked about this was with Home is where the spark is when the when the stuff was coming to live in the you know, that sort of had that vibe too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this, uh, this exchange with uh, Bulkhead and Optimus is pretty great too. He's like, that would be a waste, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just like getting traded in for the new singing and dancing model. A toy isn't the same as a friend, Bulkhead. She'll come around. And it, so then the phone rings and he's like, oh, hey, it's sorry. And it's right. like, I have to tell you something about Soundwave. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, right, oh sound right. wave, fucking sound wave, great. This Thanks is a actually lot. a very relatable scene. Like we've all had a phone call like this, where we are so excited, to, we're like lamenting over it, and then we get the call and we're super excited, and then it is what we feared, and it's like, ah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. But I, I love that you, um, you get some very classic Megatron sound wave order and command exchange because he he he's like sound wave intercept that transmission and i'm just like yes we're doing the thing yeah. <laughs> and i love that this this phone jack just has like a, a separate phone jack for for sound wave to uh to plug into right it's almost like the little r2d2 port in the city right you can just sort of zap in there uh definitely and what i also dig is that you get to see the beginnings of some classic sound wave tropes and characterizations, you know, he's an espionage guy. So it's like between intercepting yeah. the transmissions and, and the voice cloning that, that, uh, that we get here as well with the bulkhead. Um, but it's like, I mean, again, if we're doing sound wave bingo, I I've got like half a bingo on a few different lines already. I'm just like a couple right. squares away from getting sound wave bingo. It's right. like, You're going for blackout, baby. Yeah. I mean, this, this is going to be sound wave blackout bingo on a uh, uh, transformers animated, but I love this classic voice cloning thing. It's like, yeah. And you're dumb and I don't <laughs> like you anymore. Yeah. Kick, 
kick rocks, you fucking brat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the most, it just instantly, there's not even like a subtle wordplay here or like he's just like, nope, call her an idiot and let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> you don't have time. It's a long distance call. I don't want to pay for the extra minutes. Just call her a yeah. dumb little human brat and let's move on with the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bring, bring, bring. Or your players accept the collect call from you're dumb and I don't like you yeah, right. <laughs> to, ex- to accept the charges, <laughs> press one. It's like, no way. <laughs> uh, will will oh, you accept awesome. a collect call from I'll pick you up by the orange Julius. Right. right don't forget right, your brother. Exactly. <laughs> 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 so basically the phone call wraps up. And and Bulkhead is uh, particularly upset, and 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 Optimus kind of tries to comfort him here a little bit, and he um, uh, Bulkhead says this uh, uh th- this really poignant, heartbreaking thing. He was like, "That makes sense in the cogs, but doesn't feel right in the old spark plugs." Which Aww. just uh just yanks your heart out because like optimus is talking about like you know uh was it like you know evolution of friendships and changing interests and shifting tastes and and uh um uh things like that but you know because like one one of the realities that we the audience and the transformers have to face is that sorry is a human child and right. that human children age pretty quickly and they they put a put on a lot of mileage very quickly. It's, it, it's, it's amazing how quickly uh, children grow and develop. It's like, you know, you'll see them one year, you'll see them a year later and they're, they're, they're completely different people. Right. And it's sort of, it's sort of probably tracking with bulkhead that I think what he's feeling is a little bit is like, I'm sorry's toy that she's getting bored of. Right. Like I'm just, I'm just the big gift that fell out of the sky. And now I'm kind of, I'm kind of old news. So I think he's feeling that a little bit too, which makes it extra sad. Absolutely. Well, and and also looking at it through the uh, lens of mortality. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about on this show, the importance of the human element to the Transformer story, like like you and I um, are pro humans in Transformers, which we're we're kind of occasionally by ourselves in that take. I, you yeah. know, I think you need the the humans to really convey the scope and scale of the transformers so if you're just doing transformers with no humans there's no sense of scale and it doesn't matter if they're giant robots or regular sized robots it doesn't matter they're just robots on screen it just it doesn't matter at that point but absolutely but but the other thing I, i i would say as well on the tip of mortality and growing is that you know sorry's entire lifetime is a blink of an eye for the robots. I mean, you know, the Transformers right. are, are kind of, um, I, I, I don't know, um, almost like like vampires or immortals or that kind. Yeah. You could do, I'm surprised there aren't more stories like that, that like, you know, kind of like a Highlander version of... <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, it's like I, I would I, what what I would really like to see in my fan fiction brain. I would like to see Spike and Bumblebee's last ride. You know, it's where like oh, Spike sure. Spike is old, but Bumblebee is still Bumblebee. You know, that yeah. that kind of thing. And I don't I don't think there's enough of that 
in uh, uh, Transformers fiction. Now, you could say like in the in the IDW comics, uh, Verity obviously does a lot of growing de- and developing. Yeah, I was going to mention Verity is probably the closest we get to that. Yeah, yeah, I- absolutely. Um, and done very well, too. Uh, a- absolutely. That's very good. Yeah, I and I think now that we're getting further and further away from IDW, I think I think I I, I hope Verity is a character that it doesn't get forgotten about because that that was right. that was some terrific character work across like an entire overarching story that um it is kind of underrated, I think. Oh yeah, I'd love to see Verity come back in some form. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Well, I mean, if we get if we get Noah basically wearing a kicker suit from Transformers Energon, then why <laughs> why 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 can't we get Verity somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, I think there's I think there's got to be a role for her in the next in the next movie. That's that's a name drop we we need. That would be that would be very very cool. Yeah. So sorry. So yeah, back to the back to the action here. Sorry yeah. uh, gets called a dumb little human brat. So she goes for the ultimate revenge, which is apparently taking Soundwave <laughs> to the park and making a jamboree out of uh, some of the tireless mechanical partners that are there at the park. Uh, it's like uh, it's sort of like that scene in in the animated the Disney Tarzan movie, right? When they go and like play with the campsite and turn junk into musical instruments. There's, yeah, like, pounding on each other. Well, and and I and I love one. I love how elaborate the scene is, but I I I especially enjoy the drum robots, where it's like I I didn't realize that they were robots until they switch places. Where it's like you know they switch places and they drum on each other. Yeah, very very junky on ass. Yeah, you know right? it's and like garbage cans. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know it's it's it's. it's, it's Hard, hard to knock them down, but it's getting them to stay down. That's the trick. But I just, I just really like, and I like the size of them. That they, these just giant uh, dumpster uh, garbage can robots. That, that yeah, they just, uh, they just flip and turn on each other. Um, <laughs> uh, even, even Tutorbot kind of gets in. Uh, does, does a little, uh, does a little uncomfortable jig there. It's pretty funny. Right. right. Yep. Just like a, like a teacher trying to like at a school dance or something, right? Just kind of awkward, uh, you know, keeping their hands down here. Mm-hmm. So bulkhead arrives on the scene in typical bulkhead fashion. And he's just, he's just unhinged at this point. It's like, Oh, 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 that, that, that sound wave is evil. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, and it's it's juxtaposed at the same time that Soundwave is doing something evil, right? Uh, he's mm-hmm. actually being sorry at that point. And I think the targeting reticle is so cool because it looks like the boombox buttons. Uh, and it yeah. blinks in different formations of the boombox buttons. I think that's so awesome. So clever. And I, I'm glad you pointed that out because, like, I, I didn't write it down in my notes, but I remembered it. And it's just like how cool how the shapes shift and change. And that's that's a such a cool, clever way of integrating the shapes of the of the buttons in 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 a way that we've never seen before. Right. Um, that could have oh. just easily been a red dot and we all would have known what it was. But instead yep. they did like something a little cool with it. But I also think this scene is really cool um, because it's smart because now Bulkhead breaks up this scene and he looks like a jerk. And Mm -hmm. also also Soundwave gets that upgrade he couldn't he couldn't get before. So this is sort of Machiavellian of the Soundwave bot because, yeah, where he couldn't get that upgrade before. Now it's like, well, we have to do it. You you destroyed him. Right. (laughs) Broke him. (laughs) Yeah. You broke my toy, you big asshole. Yes. Oh, you did that on purpose. 
Yeah, and 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 I and I love this uh, this this uh, uh, misdirect here or, or red herring or or whatever you would call it here. Uh, Soundwave really playing it up, uh, where where Bulkhead is like, "Look, he's got a cannon. He was gonna shoot you," and it just turns into a sad trombone. Yeah, it's like a it's like a very cartoony like the like the talking trombone type thing. Or Soundwave, he's like, "Oh no, I'm so innocent." Yeah. I w- I would I wouldn't hurt nothing. I'm just an innocent Look at my toy. Kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> womp yeah. womp. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh yeah, so then then Soundwave ditches sorry at the tram terminal. Uh Megatron's like Soundwave, respond. Return at once. Come on, Soundwave. And <laughs> Sorry, it just has to go home on the train. And I was wondering, like, what's like we know it's happening, but I wonder what Sorry's thinking at this point. Like, what did I just upgrade him with? Like, why why would he just ditch me on the train terminal? She just kind of goes, "Oh well, like toys will be toys," kind of a thing. Here he goes. She just kind of like cocks an eyebrow, and that's really kind of about it. But this this sequence is is so important because yeah. it's like, well, first of all, and I I don't I don't. Uh, recall if we we uh, talked about it earlier, or is the, or if it's this this is the time where we see it. But we know Megatron is talking to Soundwave, but we see in like mirrors and computer monitors and windows and things like that. We get another reprise of that Megatron self actualization as Cybertronian Megatron. Really, that yeah. that version that we haven't really seen before that that the same apparition that appeared to nanosec so it's like you know it's like that kind of like exaggerated especially cybertronian uh megatron which uh which i i i really liked but soundwave basically pulls a skynet and has full sentience and self-actualization here and it's a it's kind of a sound wave from the comics kind of where it's like um you know sound wave i i command you to come back to base and he's like no i will no longer take orders from you and then sorry is like well you know get on the get on the train with us and he's like no and it's um it's a delightful moment it is it it's i think this is probably the most agency I've seen Soundwave have since like the the back end of the IDW run where where he's running the Cybertronic uh, uh um yeah the Cybertron commune uh with uh with Cosmos and them. Right. Um, right. I I I like I like a a revolutionary sound wave. This, this is kind of <laughs> cool. You do. It's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was thinking too. You know, I'm really glad you brought up the you know sound wave becomes self aware, and there was sort of this Skynet vibe thing. Because when was the last time we were talking about this? Home is where the spark is, right? When when Megatron became self aware, they played that very much uh, like the Terminator thing too. So again, we're seeing just like this is a really good uh, sequel episode to that early episode. Absolutely. And then um, then Soundwave continues to go full Terminator with a dash of shockwave here. Like, you know, Mm. it's and and he logically deduces that humans should be subservient to Cybertronians, to robots. And that and if you are playing APDC bingo, if uh, if if you're a fan of Autopod Decepticast, 
It is only logical that humans be slaves to machines. <laughs> right. You get a straight on slaves reference here, which yeah. uh, which I I, I I posted on Twitter, but I put a put my little put my little uh, um, uh, bingo tiddlywinks thing on the on the slaves box on APPC right. bingo. But yeah, yeah, he, he, we see Soundwave just skip through the three laws of robotics here and just jump right to humanity must serve machines. Uh, so so we're yeah. there, and and this is where Megatron is able to take advantage of this because now him and Soundwave are on the same page, and so Megatron six Soundwave on sorry and the Autobots because yeah because well that's Megatron's ultimate plan, but now he but like kind of like how he uh sort of embellished what the Autobots were to the Dinobots. Now he's saying like. These are disgusting robots that serve, prefer to serve humans. Gross. Yeah. Wipe them out while you're, while you're, you know, going to get sorry. Make sure you take out these Autobots. Yeah. Yeah. While, while you're there. But like, um, I, I, oh my gosh, I, I, I love all of this for Soundwave because like, you know, the, the thing where he, you know, as he self-actualizes, he's like, you know, I am Soundwave. Decepticon. The revolution begins now. Yeah. And I just, I just really like, I mean, he, he needs like, like a, a, a Che Guevara a beret at that point or something <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's very cool. It's, it's, and, and, and again, it's not, it's not a usual sound wave character trait. Like, you know, he's, he's not, he's, he's kind of in it for himself but not to this extent, but it's always through the lens of loyalty to Megatron. So I like how it kind of like diverges from that, but then also kind of comes back to that. Cause ultimately, as you said, he's, he's doing Megatron's bidding. He's doing what Megatron wants him to do, but he's also doing it his own way as well, which I think is very, very cool. Yeah, well, and, and then this next moment is a great twist because uh, we see Soundwave doing the Pied Piper bit and calling all the city's bots to him. And you and you kind of know what's going on here, right? The revolution has begun. But I think this is a really smart twist because the first wave of the bots that he takes over, actually, he like sacrifices them to upgrade himself. And I was like, whoa, I, you know, I totally had forgot that that's how he gets his next uh, alt mode or his next form. Um, but yeah, he like, he, he actually just takes that first wave and you think, all right, let's go into battle, guys. Nope. I'm just going to meld you to my body and melt you down. Yeah. Scrap, basically. I thought that was such a good twist. Yeah. And it, it it's kind of like a a twisted version of Jetwing Optimus. You know, it's like, oh, take my parts, you know, that right. kind of thing. You'll but have it's a power that you've never known. Right. Right. And And this is more like. Actually, yeah. Why? Why am I making these live-action movie references? I've been Thank hanging around you. with, <laughs> been hanging around with Michael Anders too long. Because I was going to say it, it's 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 kind of like in it's more like Revenge of the Fallen, where it's like you know I need parts, and yeah. and and we're just like you know grabbing some some no-name guy to to um, you know steal their parts from to restore. Uh, uh, Megatron. This kind of has vibes like that. I, you, you had asked me earlier in the episode if I thought I thought that sound and music dancing Soundwave was going to be his final form, and I said I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I knew that he was a truck, but one thing I did not know is that 
the actual evolution of the mass of his body is that it's from like the carcasses of uh, discarded machines and that he's kind of like a garbage combiner. Like yeah. I, I, I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't realize that that is how he gets the mass to become this, uh, um, this sick truck, which I, I do like this kind of like, uh, like Toyota Scion type of type of minivan yeah. type mini mini truck. Oh, it, so cool! And when he's got like you know all the all the you know Pied Piper speakers and stuff that that kind of checks out especially the way it transforms like the way like the giant speakers fold in i could imagine this being like like a pimp my ride type of like oh man this guy's like a like a, a portable dj what what does a portable dj truck look like yeah and I, i'm just so like it so visually it plays and because i mean like they they've tried to make contemporary sound wave vehicles for, you know, uh, uh, 20 to 30 years. And, you know, like some of them are okay. I mean, like, I don't, I don't mind like a, like a, a war for Cybertron fall of Cybertron type of, you know, like armored truck, like SWAT van type of thing. It's fine. Um, spaceship cassette mode sound wave is kind of fine because it's almost lamppost mode sound wave. It's, Fine. Right. Um, but all of them have just been kind of fine. This one feels like it fits. Yeah. For 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 me at least, for for my sensibilities, because I like that it's it's just a ground pounder and not not like a jet or a satellite or something like super space age. Right. I like that I like that it's grounded because as cool as Soundwave is. He's not like he's not meant to be like this god tier all powerful character. So if like he turned into some like you know gnarly Cybertronian jet or something like that, that 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 doesn't quite work for me because he's he's sly, he's cool, he's slick, you know that kind of thing. And yeah. like a, a a giant loud jet doesn't necessarily scream espionage to me. Right, and this is also a great case of like form following function. You know, he he needs he needs something he can traverse around the city. He needs speakers to pump his mind control song. Like like there mm -hmm. is sort of a utilitarian feel to what this is for too. But it also just looks so cool, right? It's it got does. like the Tron style graphics, yeah. the stylized cassette tape. So there's a little bit of your cassette tape in there, right? Like on the doors, yep. it has that. And then I, I also like his his bot mode. I think this is. I wrote down and I stick by it. This is probably my favorite version of Soundwave. Um, I've never been super attached to the character. So seeing it in this form, a little boxier, a little bulkier, mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a unique take, but it's still just like you're saying, very clearly Soundwave. Like no one would look at that and be like, I don't know who that is. Right. This show's weird, right? Like that's Soundwave. Yeah, it, it, it ticks all of the, the visual cues, but still updating it with that kind of Derek J. Wyatt, kind of uh batman beyond kind of ben 10 sensibility with again like the the like all all the neon and the and the tron like touches and he's bulky too you know i i like yeah. that he's that that he's huge he's kind of a bruiser and it's i feel like it's a very good update for a character who is essentially a a rectangle with arms and legs you know soundwave right. si silhouette is not visually interesting I think that's why I like it. I appreciate the simplicity of it. Um, that at the end of the day, he's he's just he's just a robot with arms and legs with a window chest. You know, it's like I I appreciate that subtleness and that simplicity to it. But I also appreciate the design aesthetic of this. It feels very 
very retro, cool, modern. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's really cool. I don't know if it's amongst my favorites yet because I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but you know, right. yeah, I mean, at a glance and aesthetically and theoretically, I, I, I give it all the passes. I mean, again, it's like, you know, with consulting the, the sound wave aficionado, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. It's like, it gives me everything to the point, even when he transforms into vehicle mode and he says operation recruitment, it's like, yeah. I mean, again, they threw that in there for me because oh, it yeah. has, it's everything it's. Yeah, that was definitely for you. And, you know, I'm glad to hear you say all this because this is your, you know, probably your favorite character, but this is yeah. also probably in terms of this show, the most radical difference from the source material robot, right? Like, like you can yeah. say that this whole show is pretty wild looking, but all the bots we've seen, all the classic characters we've seen so far look pretty much like their original counterparts. This one's a, is a pretty big departure if we're talking relative to the other characters in the show. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's radical, both uh, figuratively and literally. Yes, it's it's like how scientists <laughs> use it and how Michelangelo uses it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now Soundwave's got his new uh, threads, as it were, or wheels, and he just yep. cruises through the city blasting his sonic control signal. Um, and we see kind of the the bots in town going crazy. And my favorite by far is just the subway in general which is we're experiencing technical difficulties. Please remain calm while you humans all perish. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And, and you get some, uh, a little comeuppance for sorry too, where even Tutorbot turns and it's like, good afternoon. Sorry. Today's lesson is the extinction of all humanity. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is for for how scary they could have played that. It was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, because like I mean, uh, they they wisely don't overdo it with the voice. Like I mean, the thing that that makes the subway so scary is it still kind of has that that up friendly delivery as well. It's like you know, fasten your seatbelts. You're all gonna die. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, there is that level, and I also really like they they do a little cut of Lester Black's uh, news report, right? Yes. And I think that's a really cool POV and a cool way to show what's happening around the city because we get a little uh, info dump there from what's happening around the city, but also his camera bot goes berserk while it's yeah. filming him. And instead of them cutting to show the camera bot, the, oh. the POV just shifts around and turns red and, and sort of like video game style, first person shooter. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. Well, and even that you get, you get this, Bitch and payoff of the, you know, please stand by. And it's just Kremzeek. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because it's like, you know, please stand by, you know, technical difficulties. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, just, it's uh, I mean, what what a what a cool uh, visual callback there. But this uh, this montage cracks me up of just like, you know, the humans being menaced. You got this one guy. He's like, I'll recycle. I'll recycle yeah. <laughs> as he himself is about to be recycled forever a little bit more of that uh environmental commentary we've grown to love from transformers animated right hell yeah coming through 
Yeah, it's awesome. And and of course, this whole anarchy in the city uh, calls the Autobots, so they arrive on the scene. And I like this scene, too, because Bulkhead acknowledges the Soundwave song. Like, this is not just, it's kind of like that thing in Star Wars. Like, is it playing in their world or is it just in our heads? Like, this isn't just mm-hmm. a song. Like, now there is an actual song. He's acknowledging it. And also, he hates it. And yeah, this is where you get that weird, sad line for for Bulkhead, where he says, yeah, yeah, I'm on my own, like usual. You know, like, uh, Optimus sends him out on his own and we get that line. And that struck me so interestingly because I guess here's where we get a little into the spoiler territory for the rest of the show, but this pays off in a big way. Like this whole, this whole episode where bulkheads starting to feel uh, alienated from, from his friends and the group in general is going to pay off in, in its own episode coming up. And it's interesting because I, I don't know if I've, clocked that as much like you know i i feel like in the previous episodes they've you know bulkhead is awkward and through his bruiser tendencies you know he makes mistakes and he's he's foolish and 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 feels sorry for himself but i don't i don't know if the other characters have made him specifically unwelcome i mean like you do have that that moment a few episodes ago where optimus is like well you know as as punishment you gotta go train with prowl yeah i was thinking uh and maybe it's that same episode but i was thinking of when he um trounces the dinobots like they're sort yeah. of like he's like you know bulkhead just do your thing like instead do what you usually do and even that like it's a funny line it's sort of a cool empowering moment but you could also see where it's a little bit of a dig right yeah just we need someone to just fuck shit up and go yeah. do it on your own and we'll stand back here because we don't want to get knocked out of the way in the process so i think he's been feeling that vibe a little bit of like i'm just a big wrecking ball for these guys and they're gonna throw me at right. something yeah yeah, yeah, and and I'll be I'll be very interested to see how that turns out because it's like I'm more than just your weapon, right? And it's coming through because he's feeling it from Sari too. So now it is getting played up a little bit because now he at least had that refuge in Sari, but now Sari's sort of being like, you know, you beat it also. Like, I don't know. There's 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 something really sad about that, and I think it's really cool that they're starting it now and going to pay it off later. Yeah. And then so the battle is joined and sorry says something here like I, I oh, it, it's later on when you've got the confrontation between Soundwave and Bulkhead and Soundwave makes a pretty good argument for like, you know what, these, these humans are just shit on our shoe. You know, yeah. it's like, what, what, what are you even doing? And... Right. There, there is a moment kind of similar to what you're alluding to that I, up until Bulkhead does the, uh, does the wink that I, I think he's going to smash this little shit. You know, he's right. just, just smush, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm done with all this. Right. Well, they've done a great job building to this, right? Of like, what is this all for? What's the point? Like, what is the point of this? You know, yeah. just, just do it. And, and yeah, they've, they've been at, at odds with each other so long this episode and the rift has spread so far that yeah i mean they maybe maybe he doesn't squash her because that's not in the rules of the of a cartoon but, sure sure but yeah you think you think maybe this is it this is the moment yeah and and i i had mentioned at the top that this 
really kind of gets me to turn on sorry a little bit. And this uh, this line that she says to Soundwave here when she's like, I liked you better when you danced for me. Oh, yeah. That's awful. And that right. that's that's almost like, you know, we, we talked about incel optimist. This, this is like, you know, I, 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 you know, gender dynamics. And of course, she's a child and all that other stuff. But like. I could almost see like a male character saying that to like an adult entertainer or something like that. Like I, I, I pay you to dance that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's, I mean, it's Isaac Sumdeck coming through, right? Like now oh, we're, we're really yeah. seeing like, uh, you know, your father's daughter here. Uh, oh my sorry, gosh. Being like, yeah. You're just supposed to be my stuff. I liked I was it better when you danced. Yeah. I, I was trying to make it all dirty and stuff, but I, I like, I love that take so much better that, that, that really crystallizes, you know, it's like, you know, uh, themes of autonomy, you know, who owns who, you know, who made who, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And I, but again, it's like that, that line just really, really soured me yeah. on, uh, on sorry in this moment. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of team Soundwave. I mean, regardless of my my uh, predisposition, but I mean, again, he makes a really compelling case to Bulkhead. Yeah. Well, and actually, there's precedence for this too because Isaac said Isaac Sumdak said something like this when he was working on the Dinobots of like, well, they're just things, and you know, when they break down, we'll throw them out, kind of a thing. And Bulkhead was there for that, and that rubbed him the wrong way, and that's why he actually teamed up with Prowl to stash the Dinobots. Um, right. So he's already been exposed to this world of like, well, the humans don't care of us, and so now we're seeing it from the human he's most close with, also kind of having those thoughts, and then here's Soundwave like brother uh i'm making a really good point here they don't care about us she just said it you've seen it before you can't tell me you haven't and now it's yeah about to pay off yeah so um i don't remember if it's here or before this but we kind of intercut with uh the autobots fighting the um automaton legions of the mechanized police department where all yeah. of these oh, it's city at war man. it is city at war man and and again the impressive military grade hardware of the, of these sumdac robots that that soundwave has just taken over it's like after the smoke clears on this somebody's getting brought up on charges right <laughs> Yeah, well, one would think. Yeah, and I think this is why I said, too, where this is such a great sequel episode to Home is Where the Spark is, because this is like the uh, warehouse scene, but like times an entire city, right? Like before we just had sort of old warehouse equipment coming to life and attacking them. This is like every robot in the city, every drone, every fighter plane, like every garbage bot. It everything yeah. wants to eat them. And it's scary. And whereas in the, in the uh, warehouse, it was a little bit like, you know, when now we're going to see them show off their powers, there's a yeah. more of like they might not survive this kind of a vibe. Yeah. And, and the warehouse was more self-contained, whereas, as you said, city at war. One thing that, that I did clock, though, is um, you get like this little gear up moment with uh, where everybody uh, throwing on their battle masks. You know, you mm. get you get you get a reprise of B's battle mask, obviously Optimus's. And I don't. I don't remember if we saw Prowl's battle mask in in Transform and Rollout exclamation point like when they when they fight like the the giant slug thing. I think we actually saw it uh, even earlier than that. Too, oh, okay. In that episode when they were still in like the ground bridge fight stuff. Oh yeah, okay. So that might have been one of the first battle masks we saw in the whole show. 
But it's it's cool looking. But it's cool and it's great to see it again. Yeah, it absolutely. is. It, you know, it, it's like very very scarab esque. Um, yeah. 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 It's it, it's a neat aesthetic. But something I wrote in my notes, and the only reason why I wanted to dwell on this is I I wrote in my notes Prime looks weird, and hmm. what I mean by that is like I've grown so accustomed now to TFA Optimus as performed by David Kay with a face and a mouth. And I've just so I'm so acclimated to this is what Optimus Prime looks like. So when he throws on the battle mask and fights, it almost looks kind of weird. Like which, which, what what a weird shift that is because like it's like well no he has the mask on he's optimus prime that's what he's supposed to look like right. and and now i'm so deep into this where it's like that looks kind of weird with the with the face plate on i think i kind of prefer it without huh that's a, that's a twist uh for optimus fans for sure yeah it's it, it's just odd whereas um you know bouncing back to rise of the beast for for a hot sec I, I thought it was just enough. Like, like I and I've mentioned this in other places, but like one of the things that I do like about live action Optimus Prime is that when the battle mask comes up, it's like a point of emphasis. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously we didn't. Th- it plays out differently in the movie than the trailers, but like, there's a reason why there were so many "let them come" memes. And like, it yeah. just, it just looked really cool where it's just like, let them come click, clack, clack, clack. You know, it's, right. it's a, it's a real battle up. Super well done. And it's sort of the roll up the sleeves moment of like, something's going to happen. I think they, they use that really well in that too. Yeah. And, and I think they use it well here. Um, so, so I just wanted to call out on that. And then also if we're, uh, um, I, I don't know if it's drinking game worthy, but since I, I have disproportionate affection for the axe. You get a boomerang axe here. Oh, he, yeah. He, 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 uh, he boomerangs it and, and saves Prowl at one point, which uh, which I thought was delightful. Yeah, that is a really cool scene. It was a, it was a really great fight scene. Uh, you know, spoilers for getting ahead, but the mm. this episode and the episode after it have some stunning fight scenes in it. So we're, we're in for a treat. The, the choreography is terrific, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone really stepped up their game on these. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like you said, they do the old uh, fake out wink combo that lets Sari know that sh- she's in on it. Things are going to be okay. And then I like this scene of like Bulkhead just super punching Soundwave, right? It like you see it kind of glow and just burst through. Oh yeah, uh, Soundwave <laughs> and blows apart all his composite pieces. Um, I thought that was really cool. And so as and it was a quick end to Soundwave. And it was a touching scene because Sari and Bulkhead are buds again and they patch yep. things up, even if it is a little bit tenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you get to uh, you go to the park as Megatron laments and then you get this classic. I mean, Mike, you had to get a little shiver tingle here, right? Oh. Uh, the boombox, you know it, classic boombox in the sewer ignites with the Decepticon symbol on the cassette area. Flashes. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. Uh, so my uh, my closing notes was like you know uh, still friends you know and I I thought I thought that was sweet and then immediately cut to Megatron's reaction of that he's like how disgustingly sweet right right <laughs> and then and then yeah so the last thing I wrote down was yes uh, tape deck exclamation point with two exclamation points there. Um, so, so I like that quite a lot. Um, did you, did you, if I can ask, did you take that as like that, that itself was Soundwave's final form or did you take that as like, 
I kind of like the idea that all the pieces have bust away and like that's the last thing standing was like a was like a tape deck. And so maybe yeah. that's where we're getting that little, you know, because he's not a tape deck and he wasn't a tape deck at any point. So I like the idea that maybe that was the last little composite part that got blown away and is still sort of whole enough that he can he can live in it. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the way I took it as well. And you could you could further interpret it as maybe that's how he, you know, self-identifies at his core, you know, that kind of thing. It's like sure. maybe it's like the innermost component is this tape deck, um, yeah. that kind of thing. But but no matter how you slice it, I, I like that this is the the representation and the design on it looks more like classic Soundwave tape deck mode than even the the gift box where whereas the birthday gift box is still a little more stylized this is stylized also but you could kind of see where you know like um you know Soundwave looks a certain way with like his legs and his arms and the buttons and stuff and it looks exactly the way that it should it's literally core class Soundwave it yeah. looks uh, it looks uh uh, terrific. Yeah. And uh, it's a really cool moment too, because we haven't seen the Decepticon symbol a ton. And even when we do, it's that sort of stylized animated style one. This is like straight up flashing. Now we're getting the hint that like the Decepticons yeah. are coming. Like this yeah. is starting to get fun. Yeah, a absolutely. And, uh, uh one thing I, w I wanted to touch on, we, uh, uh, I kind of blew past it, but like the, back in the, 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 the bulkhead, sorry scene, I, will always appreciate a double a double meaning with sorry's name you know her name is sorry and apologies get thrown around a lot yeah. and there and there is a point where um i i missed it earlier when 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 bulkhead you really think he's gonna throw in with Soundwave, and he says it's too late for sorry oh yeah oh that's yeah. so good i do like and, that and and because basically she's apologizing. Oh, Bulkhead, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's too late for sorry. Yeah, it's a double meaning there. Uh, yeah, so that's really cool. That's really smart writing. Yeah, th those pop up occasionally. So I I I, I, always, I always get a little bit of a twinge when when the one meaning of those comes was up. dubious. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I love it. Quite so. So there it is. There is uh, Sound and Fury Transformers season, uh, Transformers animated season one, episode 10, uh, the Soundwave episode. And um, before we uh, move on, because we have, a, we have a couple more segments to get through before we get out of here. Next up on my list is Mike's G1 score. Yeah, so, this is what we've all been waiting for, I think, with this one. I think this score might even be higher than I originally thought it was. You know, and, and it's interesting, like, especially as we talk it through. And I love, you know, what I should almost do, I love how we're workshopping stuff live, but what I should do is I should document what my score is on my notes and then revisit it as we as we go. I, I might start doing that um, right, plus or minus thing from it as you <laughs> because we we've talked about that. We we've had this this legislation where it's like, oh man, I didn't think about this. Oh, I, I thought about this. Um this one gives me all kinds of stuff where it's, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a heavy sound wave episode. You got all kinds of like Easter eggs and goodies. This is going to be, I don't know, let's, let's, let's call it a 9.7. Oh, almost wow. at the top. 
I, yeah. I'm, go, I'm going, I'm going real high on it because like, you know, and I'll, I'll include like the Kremzik of it. I'll also throw in the, um, the, uh, my little pony stuff, you know, keeping it Hasbro adjacent. Yeah. So Daniel, I mean, let's not forget Daniel, Daniel being in there. And, and again, just everything happening to having to do with Soundwave. Like he's, you know, the only thing that he isn't is a tape deck that shrinks um, up. You know, it's like, you know, he grows and like throws little minions out. Yeah. Outside of that, he does everything G1 Soundwave should do. It's like he's loyal to Megatron. He speaks in a certain way. The voice is right. The cadence is right. Um, you know, he says operation at, at, you know, he does some infiltration, you know, he monitors transmissions. He does spying. Yeah. does stuff that has to do with sound waves, which I think is really cool. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this, this, this one's pretty high for me. I like the episode and I like this take. Awesome. Woo. We got through it. I was, I've been dreading this one as much as I've been excited for this one. Cause this could really make or break, uh, <laughs> this project, right? Like if this was a bad take on, on Soundwave, maybe you walk away from it, but exactly. Um, so before we close out the show with our famous Michael Andrews, pre-coup haiku a pre-coup if you will um i would like to dip into the mailbag and share some listener feedback because it's um it's actually been a while and we've got some really good uh comments from fans that i would like to uh share briefly here uh first i'm gonna open up the mailbag and go back to our uh youtube channel and again if you're 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 listening on a podcast go check out the videos out on youtube it's just a static image with a with a a bouncing sound wave but that's where our buddy uh matthew barbario uh seems to listen and watch and leave comments so going back a handful of episodes uh back to our nanosec episode uh doing lines of dystronium uh matthew writes another great episode mike and mike i have to say i think i appreciate nanosec more now than i have in my previous viewings after listening to you guys it makes me appreciate the episode and even the character a bit more when the human villains have always been my least favorite part of the show and i must say i love that alpha magnus light the, the alpha magnus lights and siren score has been officially adopted into the <laughs> podcast uh keep up the great work uh m and m oh that's awesome uh i again i feel like i've done my job now right uh make them appreciate the human villains more uh Matthew, mm -hmm. that rocks. I'm really, I'm really glad you picked up on that. I feel like that's kind of my duty, right? I, I want, I want to, I want to get in the heads a little bit of some of these characters that people, you know, otherwise would turn away from. Mm -hmm. He also and left I a like nanosec. Okay, I just want to say yeah. I like nanosec. There's, I don't feel like I really have to defend him. I actually kind of like that guy. I um. As as we've been going through this this journey, our episodes have been increasing in length, getting incre incrementally longer and longer. So uh, uh, Matthew pointed out in our deep hurting uh, thrill of the hunt episode, anyone else sing along or at least lip sync to the theme song? Question um, mark. Yeah, I, I, I it, it's it's in my head. It's an earworm. That's that's why Alpha Magnus suggested it. It's like you know, and it's just. It really encapsulates the show. It's very much, you know, you are Mike, you are Mike. I, I love that that's kind of become our accidental theme here. Yeah. 
Uh, but he also wrote, um, I love how long the episode was. I, I love this episode of Transformers Animated, again, talking about uh, Thrill of the Hunt. Uh, anytime an episode of Transformers goes deep, it automatically becomes one of my favorite episodes. The franchise has so much potential to be deep given the events it surrounds, so I love when it does, and thank you for the shout-out. It means a lot, and I greatly appreciate it. That's why I do it. You took the time to write, so I'm going to take a time to read. And then um, I think I got one last one here. Uh, this was from uh, our Dinobots episode, When Dinobots Ruled the Earth. Uh, this is one of my favorite TFA episodes, so I'm definitely glad to see that Mike Seibert enjoyed it. I never picked up on the Jurassic Park references, uh, which shocks me because I'm a big fan of Jurassic Park. I'm definitely going to need to pay closer attention to that in future rewatches of the episode, keep up the great work, gentlemen, exclamation point. And that's why I love having these discussions because like um, Michael Anders, you and I feed off each other and we just like, you know, pick on little stuff. And we, um, I, I'm sure, you know, as we've talked about, like when you watch these episodes, especially if you watch them in a binge, they just kind of roll over you. And, but yeah. it's not until like, we kind of take this more critical eye that, some of the more either subtle or not so subtle themes kind of emerge and present themselves. But if you're just shotgunning these, just, you know, just watching TFA season one in a clip, it's just going to, it's just going to blow past you and you might not uh, pick up on it. So that's, Absolutely. that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, especially with this show, um, you know, it's really easy to watch it and and get the takeaway and then, and then put it in a drawer and not watch it again for a number of years. Cause you kind of get the big strokes, right? You kind of get uh, when the characters come back and when, and you know, when this Decepticon makes his appearance and, and boom, you did the thing. Um, but this show is actually pretty well layered and I think you need to take a beat. I think it's, it's right for uh, peeling apart and, and breaking it down a little bit because there's so many Easter eggs and there's so many references and there's so many throwbacks to episodes and foreshadowing for new episodes. Like, I think this is really lends itself good to an analysis. 100%. Um, a couple straight tweets before uh, before we move on. Alpha Magnus pointed out on the subject of Brian Posehn, uh, Sarah Silverman program was always my favorite live action of his. And then later in that same thread, uh, Alpha Magnus, I was not expecting the Generation X TV movie to get brought up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I still have both that and the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury on VHS somewhere. Dr. Mandroid is still my favorite from that. Oh, I'm sorry. Doctor, I have, I have Ooh, we got a little spark on the brain. Yeah, uh, Dr. Mordred is still my favorite from that era of like those like live action Fox uh, nonsense. Um, they lo right. they lost the license, but still made a Doctor Strange movie. And then the last one I want to shout out here for for this episode, we gotta give some love to our buddy Springer Sword out on Twitter uh, oh, because yeah. uh, th this this dude, who I think basically his Twitter persona identifies as Springer, the the uh, the heroic robot. But, um, right, which we were talking about can cut you on some of the toys at the top yes. of the episode. So very fitting. <laughs> here. Oh, Springer sword. There it is. The titular Springer sword. But he had uh, uh, recently picked up a Transformers animated Bumblebee, the um, uh, the same one I got that I was gifted by um, Anthony from TFU.info. But he's been doing toy photography and photo manipulation 
more or less to like coincide with some of our episodes. So he put yeah. up like like a bumblebee doing the you know the uh, the rocketing into space with that figure, and his a uh, uh, toy photography is just amazing. And I love that he's recently picked up on Transformers Animated as well. So it's yeah. like or, I'm sorry, Transformers. This is Transformers Animated, Transformers Reanimated with Greg and Yoshi, where they uh, write comic book stories taking place after after season two, but before the movie. Anyway, it's just like he, he's been he's been doing terrific stuff in the photo manipulation space and toy photography. And um, if, if you're not following him at Springer's Sword out on Twitter, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Go check that out. And yeah, really appreciate uh, the hookups with those. Uh, images that are specifically tied to the episodes we're doing uh that's super cool um you keep, keep it coming mike and i aren't always the best twitter tweeters as bruce would I, say in dark of the moon but uh we do appreciate we love it we're going to share as much as we can absolutely absolutely so i will um i i will save some more correspondence uh for our next episode we got some really great feedback about our Along came a spider two-parter uh, that that I want to give some more time to, but that that will have to wait a couple weeks, and that will uh, will we will do that in our next episode. But as for this episode, it's time. Ooh, ah! I could I could feel the lights dimming, and it's like ah, you know, and, and like the, the band is getting played <laughs> in the corner. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's time for the titular Michael Andrews preview haiku. You got it. All right. Personality times three. Fire and ice ignite. Loyal lunk explodes. Yeah. Snap, 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 snap. I'm doing all these sound effects that I know I'm going to put in anyway, but it's like. It's how he remembers, folks. He wouldn't put it in otherwise. That is specifically true. Um, a peek behind the curtain, all of like the the quotes and stuff that that we put in, it's generally because we say them. And then I've really gotten <laughs> in this rhythm of it's like because like, you know, as folks have watched the trajectory of the podcast, it's like sometimes it was very little audio. Then it was way too much audio. And now <laughs> now it's kind of now I think now it's kind of settled in where it's like just right where it's like I'm not. I'm not dubbing in the entire episode because we want you to go check out the episodes, but it kind of gives you a flavor and that context of what we're talking about. I think, I think uh, if I don't say so myself, I think we found a way to split the difference. Yeah. I think, I think you've come a long way from the Prometheus black episode when I was clocking. I think <laughs> at one point I realized it was uh, at least one quote per minute, like one soundbite per minute of the show. <laughs> And uh, you were like, this is a lot of work. And I was like, yeah, you're pretty much putting the whole episode. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I, I was I was doing the uh, uh, I, I was on that Professor Princess cocaine. I'm just like, ah, just put in all the audios. Ah, but a little too I, much powdered sugar, folks. Yeah, it was a little coked up on Peter Stormare there. I, I <laughs> went to his club in Bad Boys 2 and and uh, <laughs> this got real dark real quick. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, I, I guess let's get out of here, and that will uh, that will wrap up this episode of uh, Two Mike's Two Furious Animated Transformers. And until uh, next time, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other, and be good humans, and make good choices, and 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 all the rest. And eat some pizza. All the all the pizzas. Yes. All the pizzas. It's, all the. <laughs>
all the pizzas. One of these days we should start talking about like uh, a particular uh, pizza combinations to go with episodes. I don't know. Yeah, some p- pizza pairings. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to mics2furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mics Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mics Too Furious. And raise your voice. Leave us a voicemail message at 260 274 Mike. Again, that's 260 274 6453.